policy. So, you know, to be able to control perceptions is a very difficult thing, even from the Federal Reserve perspective. So they have a number of tools, obviously, to manage, uh, you know, through uh, bond buying, um, you know, through its programs to be able to try to throttle yields, but uh, they certainly can't control them. Uh, Yeah, there is an example, of course, uh, with Japan and Australia with yield curve control. There are some capacity to do that in the short term, but in the long term, with the amount of financing and the amount of borrowing that the U.S. Uh, uh, Treasury have to do to pay for all the stimulus that's gone into the economy will be uh, very challenging indeed uh, if prices get uh, too frothy. Uh, it would be limiting in terms of what they can do. At least in the short term they have tools, but in the long term inflation can run its own course and very difficult to control. Thanks very much, Toby. Have a good weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look this week at the markets. The ASX 200 in Australia off three quarters of one percent. The Nikkei 225 is down about two thirds of a percent over in South Korea. uh, The Cosby is off just over one percent. And futures markets indicating the Hang Seng is going to fall as well, about 0.8% at the open. Uh, Brent crude oil trading at $63.04 uh, a barrel. Gold right now, $1,733 an ounce. Thanks for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Stay tuned for uh, Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Uh, mainly cloudy, one or two light rain patches in the morning, sunny in schools during the day, maximum temperature around 27 degrees. It's going to be rather warm during the day of the weekend, and then the winds will strengthen on Sunday and cooler mornings early next week. Temperature right now, 23 degrees, 86% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said Washington will raise issues of concern in the first high-level direct talks between the Biden administration and China taking place in Alaska. Mr. Blinken said the U.S. would not shy away from contentious issues. Today, uh, we'll have an opportunity to discuss our deep concerns with actions by China, including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. That's why they're not merely internal matters and why we feel an obligation uh, to raise these issues uh, here today. In response, a top Chinese official, Wang Jiechi, hit back, accusing the United States of violating human rights. He was speaking via a translator. It is important for the United States to change its own image We do not believe in invading through the use of force or to topple other regimes or to massacre the people of other countries because all of those would only cause turmoil and instability. Infectious diseases experts have warned that of the three coronavirus vaccines Hong Kong has procured so far, only BioNTech has proven to be effective against variants of the virus that have been emerging around the globe. And the government may need to reconsider purchasing the Oxford AstraZeneca product. Sean Kennedy has more. 
Two expert committees under the Centre for Health Protection concluded after reviewing publicly available data that the BioNTech product is effective against the UK and Brazil variants of the coronavirus, but less effective against the South African variant. They said the AstraZeneca vaccine, which isn't expected to arrive in Hong Kong until the latter part of the year, didn't work against the South African variant. They said there wasn't enough information available to draw any conclusions on the efficacy of the Sinovac jab. Most European countries that had suspended the use of the Oxford-AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine say they'll resume inoculations after it was declared safe and effective by the European medical regulator, the EMA. France, Germany and Italy are among the EU members which plan to resume inoculations later today. Here's the BBC's Anna Collinson. When millions of people are vaccinated, incidents will occur. It's the role of the European Medicines Agency to detect these cases and see if they're a result of the jab or just a coincidence. This week, the EMA has been investigating a small number of unusual blood disorders, including a very rare type of blood clot in the brain after patients received the AstraZeneca vaccine. And the regulator has now ruled the jab is not associated with a higher risk of clots. And while a link can't be ruled out with a small number of cases, its benefits of protecting people from coronavirus far outweigh the possible risks. And there'll be more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. We're talking about the latest COVID-19 developments today. Infectious disease experts say that of the three uh, vaccines that Hong Kong has procured, so far only one, BioNTech, has proven to be effective against variants of the virus that have been emerging around the globe and the government may need to reconsider purchasing the AstraZeneca product. Meanwhile, the government's also been urged to reach out to countries such as Japan and South Korea to introduce so-called vaccine passports to make travel easier and allow people to be exempt from quarantine. How is the vaccination programme going? How can we get more people vaccinated? What sort of incentives perhaps might be considered? And what is the long-term outlook for coping with COVID uh, in Hong Kong? Also, are expats more likely to get vaccinated and locals. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233 88266. 233 88266. We'll um, try and give preference to uh, people who want to uh, put uh, questions to to the doctors or, or to Professor Cowling, uh, and and uh, honestly, the best way to do that is to is to uh, call two three three eight eight two six six, and then you can talk to them directly. Otherwise, there's that delay in um, when they speak, and then you write an email or something, and then we find a slot to read out your email, and then they answer it, uh, and so on. And sometimes we can't fit that in uh, very comfortably. So um, if you just pick up the phone, as I say, you can you can talk directly to them. So if you've got a particular question and I know we're, we're returning to the subject of COVID because people are uh, do have a lot of questions about a lot of our uh, aspects uh, of uh, what's happening in Hong Kong. Um, just to um, finish off some other uh, correspondence on uh, other topics and related to uh, earlier programmes. Uh, Mark, uh, in an email, says this is addressed to Candy, who I think wrote yesterday. 
Uh, race hate is wrong wherever. However, there is a difference between race hate and genocide. Race hate exists in Hong Kong. Look at the rude way Chinese treat ethnics like Indians, Africans, etc. That is from Mark, who's addressing a comment from Candy about the treatment of Muslims in Australia, I think. Bob says, Good morning. I'm British, a long-time Hong Kong resident now, happily and safely retired in Zhuhai. Uh, here I have a free bus pass for several years. These are issued to anyone over 65, regardless of nationality. Almost all buses here are now electric, which has significantly reduced roadside pollution. About a year ago, all bus fares were set at one renminbi. So uh, here, buses are reliable, clean and affordable. I have no idea about bus ownership, but as a passenger, I recommend the Hong Kong government look over the border and see what they could be doing. Good health to all. That comes from Bob and a longish email from Matthew, uh, who says, uh, I don't, f uh, I love Backchat and appreciate the way Hugh pro who hosts the programme. However, I don't find the manner in which he apologetically and hesitantly prefaced my question to Nixie yesterday is off topic to be appropriate. First of all, it was not off topic. It had the day's topic of bus fare increase and the root cause of why things like that arise in Hong Kong at its heart. Second, if it's not actually off limits to ask questions of or challenge the co-host, then please let us know. <clears throat> We've been told several times that co-hosts are not required to be impartial and can show their personal bias, which Nixie clearly does with every utterance. Therefore, it would seem odd and contradictory to forbid questioning or challenging of them. Finally, Nixie has chosen to be a professional politician, so should be more than capable of responding to challenges. In fact, we've heard her aggressively flare up, do so many times on Backchat and elsewhere. Actually, she responded to my question well and appeared to acknowledge that there was some truth in Tian Fei Long's suggestion that the DAB had been loyal rubbish. That's good. We used to get leading DAB and other pro-bigot-braging figures regularly on Backchat, but unfortunately we're now only left with unelected DAB members like Nixie and very peripheral figures. Uh, it would be great, uh, sorry, uh, along with a new cast of pro-CCP listeners writing in daily under similar names with near-identical messages, presumably all as a result of a central liaison office uh, directive. It would be great if Nixie could help us understand why the liaison office would care to neuter a programme with a few thousand listeners, or at least why all other elected DAB figures who are paid by us refuse to appear on the programme and engage with the public they are supposed to be serving. That's from Matthew. Thanks very much indeed, Matthew. Uh, Matthew, I'm sort of hesitant because there isn't a f kind of hard and fast rule, to be honest. Um, it's really just that um, the, the focus is supposed to be on the theme and the hosts are supposed to be kind of being catalysts or conduits, I guess, to, uh, to deal with that theme and, and, and address that theme. So um, sometimes we have, we have questions. And Matthew, as you know, you have repeatedly put questions to Nixie. That's not really the main focus, as I say. So the, that's, it's a kind of a grey area, and that's why I kind of hesitantly stumbled my way through that explanation yesterday, and I'm doing something similar this morning. I hope that definitively uh, <laughs> doesn't settle the matter. Uh, once again, our email, backchatter.rthk.hk. Danny. Our guests now are <coughs> Professor Benjamin Cowlin from the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong and Dr. Erasina Ma, President of the Hong Kong uh, Public Doctors Association. Good morning. Welcome to Backchat. Uh, Professor, Professor Cowling, let's go to you first. And we should explain to our listeners that uh, you have a long article on the uh, Citizen News website. Citizen News is uh, predominantly a Chinese website, but this article is in English and um, must be uh, several thousand words. Uh, a lot of um, analysis of the way forward for Hong Kong on in terms of um, uh, dealing with COVID. Uh, the one point that uh, really stands out to me looking at this article is, Professor Cowling, you essentially say that uh, using the Sinovac vaccine, we're, we're never going to reach herd immunity in Hong Kong? I think if we 
use a lot of the BioNTech. If a lot of people in Hong Kong get the BioNTech, then we can get pretty close to herd immunity. Um, I, I, I would suggest preference for the BioNTech vaccine, but at the same time, it, it's okay to have a choice of vaccines. Um, but, but the effectiveness of the BioNTech vaccine is so much higher, particularly against mild infections, that if we really want to be able to limit the spread with vaccines, instead of the public health measures we've been enduring for the past year, then it's going to need a high vaccine coverage with a very effective vaccine. An important point you make, that I appreciate until I read your article, is when you talk about two-thirds immunity in, in Hong Kong, are you saying... Two -third, around two-thirds immunity to have herd immunity. It's not just about the number of people being uh, vaccinated, it's about the efficacy of those vaccines, right? Well, no, exactly. So if you want to get, get two-thirds immunity, then you can get that with maybe 70-something percent with a, a vaccine that's highly, highly effective, and that still gets you to two-thirds immunity. But it's going to be very difficult to get to two-thirds immunity if your effectiveness for the vaccine is only 50%, because even if everybody gets vaccinated, with that vaccine, the maximum immunity level would just be 50%. And in reality, not everybody's going to choose to get vaccinated. And we are having, we still have far more people being vaccinated in Hong Kong with Sinovac than BioNTech. So, I mean, we, we, yeah, you might say we're heading Sinovac in the wrong direction. So Sinovac had that head start where they started the vaccination campaign a little bit earlier. And it's a bit more widely available in the, in the doctor's offices and so on. So I, I think that may explain why, why the numbers for Sinovac are higher right now. But I suspect BioNTech will catch up. I think people will understand that it's, uh, it's often going to be a better choice because it's got a much higher level of effectiveness. Do you think uh, the government should stop using Sinovac? I mean, you're suggesting if we use the BioNTech more efficiently, we could uh, cover 60% of the population alone with what we've got now. Yeah, we could actually get up to 9 million doses. So something that I think people didn't understand. We ordered 7.5 million doses, and that was in 1.5 million vials, each vial containing five doses that you draw the syringe out and you get five from a vial. But actually, since ordering, and in the last maybe couple of months, in Europe and the US, they've discovered that there's enough in the vial for six doses if the pharmacists go for it. If they really do the right thing with the needles, drawing the, the stuff out, they can get six doses from a five-dose vial. So that means in Hong Kong, we could get nine million doses of BioNTech instead of 7.5 million. But the pharmacists and the Department of Health would have to approve that approach, which my understanding is that has not been done yet. So we're in, you could, one, way, one way to say it is that we're kind of wasting a whole lot of doses at a time when much of the world is desperate to get their hands on vaccines. Uh, so I hope that would change soon. But if we could choose 9 million doses, that's 4.5 million people that could have two doses of BioNTech. That's a long way towards herd immunity and then a return to normal. So, but we have a lot of problems. One problem in Hong Kong is the low e efficacy of Sinovac. Another problem is the relatively low uptake of vaccines so far. And we, we see, don't we, the, the rate at which the government is expanding the criteria of who's available. And the, you still have a lot of vaccination slots left open. No, that's correct. And I, I think one, one maybe big factor which is unfortunate is we've done such a good job in the past year of controlling COVID with all of the social distancing measures, with the quarantines and so on, that we haven't really faced a risk of COVID. In Europe, you see they're now having their third wave. In Brazil, the headlines overnight were that the healthcare system's collapsing, and I think that might be collapsing again. And in Hong Kong, we've, we've had 10,000 cases so far. The risk for many of us has been minimal. And so I, I can understand why, why people in Hong Kong maybe don't see the immediate risk, they don't see the need to get vaccinated, because they're not imagining they have a risk of COVID. But the reality is, if we don't all choose to get vaccinated, we're going to have to continue 
with all of these public health measures that we've had for the past year, those are going to be in place for another year, another two years, another three years, until we can get to that level of vaccine coverage that gives us security to reopen. And so it, it, it's really going to be difficult to, to, to maybe persuade people that they, they've got to think about getting vaccinated, even though the risk of COVID so far has been so low. Okay. Uh, Aratina Ma, good morning to you, Dr. Ma. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Um, there does seem to be sort of a slowish uh, take-up of a vaccination programme uh, in, in Hong Kong. Why do you think that is? Um, how do you think more people could be encouraged, uh, if, that's the, if, if that's the aim? What sort of incentives do you think might be appropriate, if any? Um, I think I agree with Dr. Cullen that uh, we have a relative low infection, infection with, uh, number of infections and mild disease that may be not uh, posed uh, of, uh, enough um, powerful uh, threat to uh, our citizen. And another reason is that maybe because how the government launched out the whole vaccination programs, for example, the argument between which kind of vaccines, uh, whether the vaccines uh, should be given to the elderly. Um, for some people, uh, there's uh, Sinovac is not appropriate uh, vaccines for the elderly with chronic illness, and but the government insists to roll it out to the elderly, and quite numbers of elderly uh, died after the vaccinations, though there's no direct um, uh, relations can be established um, after, uh, between it, but already um, weakened the confidence of our citizen towards the vaccination program. I now, think, <coughs> yes. 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 Now, uh, you mentioned the, the question about Sinovac vaccine. The government put out a very strong statement uh, attacking uh, uh, those who use the name of medical professionals to claim the Sinovac vaccine has um, insufficient data. And they say that uh, uh, this is uh, not the sort of behaviour medical professionals should do. And uh, you're based on political stance, spreading rumours to the public regarding vaccines and smearing the vaccination programme. How, how do you respond to that uh, statement, a misleading citizens, that statement from the government. Okay, I think maybe this is one of the strategy of the government try to cut the numbers of people getting the vaccine. So I think um, the, the, the best way to um, tackle those kind of rumors and so on is have a, a very open-minded, open discussions. So if everyone uh, are allowed to express their views, data, opinions can discuss the thoughts really, uh, all those rumors will, uh, will, will go on. But, but <laughs> the government seems to take another route. Personally, I don't think there is such kind of political uh, uh, targeting or anything that uh, try to stop people to get the vaccination. Uh, no matter the um, uh, the unions of healthcare workers, doctors or uh, uh, academia, everyone, when they come out and talk about the vaccination program, we try to uh, discuss the data, which is best for Hong Kong, which is best for our patient. I don't see any kind of those uh, 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 accused of uh, uh, in the the, uh, the government raised. Now, in other countries, it's quite common for the vaccination take-up rate to increase as vaccination campaigns go go on. But I'm not sure we're really seeing any sign of that in Hong Kong so far. Um, seems like in the recent one week, um, actually. Um, 
of course, the number of people go for Sinovac uh, actually is um, uh, as not many. Same as for the Biontech, because um, seems the whole society has a very, uh, 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 very conservative idea about vaccinations. Um, uh, of course, we also seen some cases of Biontech has been of uh, 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 adverse reaction of Biontech, but uh, luckily none of them are very, very severe and. Now, no uh, people uh, uh, died, uh, died after getting the biotech jet. So um, actually, I think when we consider uh, or, or look at the effect or adverse reactions of vaccination, uh, we can not only look at the data in Hong Kong, because compared with the Western society, the numbers of uh, people getting, uh, get the jab is really small. So uh, we should look at those status like in US, uh, UK or in Israel. Uh, in those three countries are still quite safe with good efficacy. Okay, some uh, questions then for our guests this morning. Once again, backchat.rthk.hk or pick up the phone. Uh, this is uh, addressed to Professor Cowling. This is from Stephen, who says, How should Hong Kong and the world more widely have reacted to the pandemic in hindsight now? What would you recommend in terms of Swedish-style Hong Kong, New Zealand-style or full lockdown-style? Interested to he hear his and other speakers' thoughts. That's from uh, Stephen. In hindsight, Professor Cowling, what should we have done? Uh, so I think recognising the threat for what it was earlier, recognising earlier the threat, would have made a big difference. And I still remember a year ago in the UK and the US, the discussion that it wasn't possible to stop COVID from spreading. It was, a, it was something that was going to happen anyway, and we, we just have to try and minimize the impact. Um, but then we saw what happened in Hong Kong. We've actually done it. In Australia, in New Zealand, they've done it. They've kept the virus out. And of course, in mainland China. And that, that was really... Uh, maybe a lesson that the other countries should have learned and and in march and in april they still had a chance to really lock down get rid of the virus and then find a way to keep it out um but they, they didn't manage it so looking back i think when they when they plan again what what they'll do in the next pandemic the the measures in in asia and in australasia i think will be on the table the, 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 sorry the the, ne the next pandemic you're already sort of thinking ahead to the next pandemic this is yeah very for, for now for now for now, I think Europe and the US are actually going to be some of the first places in the world to open back up fully. So I think in, by the summer, by, by June, July this year, uh, there really won't be a whole lot of social distancing measures in, in European countries, in the United States. There won't be travel restrictions. There won't be on-arrival quarantines. So they've been hit hard by the pandemic, but because of vaccination and because of the the risk that they've faced in the past year, the vaccine uptake is going to be high and they'll be able to get back to normal. And then we'll be here in Hong Kong still wondering when we'll be able to travel again and looking longingly at Europeans having their summer holidays and relaxing on the beach That's and so on. And we'll, we'll still prospect. be stuck at home. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's uh, some more questions. This is from June. He says, I had my BioNTech jab and it's doing very well. We're looking forward to completing the vaccination. I'm having a lot of discussions with friends about getting jabbed. I've had these questions and hope you can help. Uh, these reflect concerns from my friend. First, can we be absolutely certain that the BioNTech vaccine is genuinely from Germany and that what was put into our body is indeed BioNTech? Yes, 100%. So it, it was made in Germany. Uh, it was flown over all the way to Hong Kong and it's been kept safe in freezers until it's got into your arm in the injection. 
Um, so Fosun Pharma is the distributor for China, and that includes Hong Kong, but they don't manufacture it. It's manufactured in Germany. Okay. Second question. Given BioNTech is the only vaccine available at the moment that is effective against the foreign strains, what is your view of the government allowing people inoculated with BioNTech to bypass the 21-day quarantine? Pretty much all my friends are clean to travel to see family, but everyone is held back by this draconian and, frankly, unreasonable 21-day quarantine. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think it's a good idea to allow vaccinated people to avoid the on-arrival quarantine. And so the, the BioNTech vaccine is highly, highly effective, but it's not 100%. And so that means you could imagine someone with the, the BioNTech vaccine going to America and then coming back to Hong Kong. If they were able to escape the quarantine, it most likely would be okay. But there's that small possibility that they're in the 5%, not the 95%, that the vaccine didn't quite protect them and have a mild illness. With, uh, with the virus and then spread it into the community. And we're trying so, so hard to keep the virus out. I don't think it makes sense to relax the on-arrival quarantine for vaccinated persons. It could be shortened, perhaps particularly for people from coming from places that, uh, that have zero cases. And I don't know why that has not already been done. So we could have a shorter quarantine for Taiwan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, maybe Singapore. Um, but that hasn't been done. I think that would be a way forward, especially if those uh, those travellers have been vaccinated. But a general relaxation I don't think is going to be possible until we're safe locally in Hong Kong with herd immunity. All right, one, one more question. After my vaccination, I was given a certificate confirming the batch and lot of my BioNTech vaccine. Is this enough as proof to enter other countries? Yeah, I, I would have thought so. Actually, in, in Europe and the US, I'm not sure they're going to really go for vaccination passports because by the time we get to the summer, it wouldn't really really be important anymore. They can just go back to normal without needing any further restrictions. Um, but for other countries, they may want to look at an official document. And I think the letter from the uh, Hong Kong Department of Health that you mentioned, that should be satisfactory. Yes. All right. Some more comments. Uh, Paisley says, given the more positive news flow on the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine and the concurrent ongoing public reservations about the Sinovac option, is there a risk that the government will run out of the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine before we get our second shots next month? How many doses of each vaccine does the government already have? How many have been ordered? And when will they arrive? Anyone know? Uh, Press County, I think I, I, you I dealt did. with that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we, we, we're planning to get maybe one million doses every month, um, but I don't know the exact exact timeline, but that's what it, what it was initially planned as, about a million every month. All right, Tim says, what are your latest audience figures for Backchat? Keep up the great work. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Frank says, quickly, I got my first shot on Monday at the Kowloon Tong facility. Great setting, friendly nurses, pain on arm for two days, but no other effects except a feeling one was doing the right thing. Since then, have been nudging colleagues, friends, young and old to go for it. Now... Uh, now that they are observing, not mutating into a ninja, they seem uh, uh, me. Now that I'm, they see me not mutating into a ninja. They seem encouraged. Must dispel ignorance and raise civility. Professor Cowling speaks plainly. Our dedicated government officers muddle through layers of superstition, political correctness, and passing the buck old habits. Get on with it, ladies and gentlemen. That's from uh, Frank. Anna says, I have a history of allergic reaction, anaphylaxia, and um, advised by my doctor not to have the BioNTech vaccine. I can't be alone in this. What does the government propose for people who can't have BioNTech? Uh, given the question mark over Sinovac and now AstraZeneca, will the Hong Kong government get any alternative vaccines? Dr. Ma, any advice? Um, 
Uh, yes, first of all, really need to go deep into the allergic history. Um, if you got a quite severe allergic history, maybe both the vaccine right now is not um, seems to be safe for her. But uh, whether our government um, also for the AstraZeneca, there is more problem. Although yesterday after the long discussion, uh, the EU has, uh, has uh, resumed the uh, AstraZeneca uh, uh, injection program again. But uh, since there are uh, cases of from uh, both happened after the AstraZeneca vaccine. And also, this, um, it seems like they, it won't send to Hong Kong uh, well before summer. So definitely, the government should look for other vaccines. And personally, there are some uh, new vaccines rolled out recently in year 2021 with very good results, like the Johnson & Johnson one. You may even get 70% uh, efficacy after only one jab. So uh, we really hope that uh, our government will look for other um, very effective effective and uh, 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 reliable vaccine as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, Benjamin says, uh, COVID vaccines do not prevent transmission from person to person, according to Dr. Fauci, Professor Young and Professor Hoy. So opening up society and allowing travel makes no sense, even with widespread vaccinations. Recent reports of low mRNA segments in vaccine vial, as reported by EMA, as low as 35%. How does that affect vaccine efficacy? That's from Benjamin. The other Benjamin, any answers? Yeah, that, 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 I, that's not true. So if a vaccine is 95% effective in preventing even mild, relatively mild infections, it's going to have an enormous effect on transmission. Uh, on the other hand, if a vaccine is only 50% effective against mild infections, it's not going to have such, a, such an effect on, on transmission. But the, if, if we have a high coverage of the BioNTech vaccine, we will have herd immunity. Okay, uh, let me squeeze in uh, one more. Uh, Anthony says, we homo sapiens think in stories rather than facts and evidence. With so much disinformation, overstating the side effects of the vaccine and the government's contact tracing measures, how can this be fixed? Remember, everyone in th one in five deaths daily in the US is due to artery disease. How can deaths after taking the vaccine and breathing oxygen be related to the vaccine with such minute probability? Never mistake possibility for probability as anything uh, is possible. That's from uh, Anthony. Dr. Marr, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Aracena Marr, President welcome. of the Public Doctors Association. Much obliged. Uh, Professor Cowling will stay with us. We'll be joined by other doctors after the news at nine. Before that, the weather, mainly cloudy, a couple of light rain patches this morning and sunny intervals during the day. Temperatures up to 27 degrees, 23 degrees, the latest readings and the relative humidity is at 85%. <laughs> We will have met my goal weeks ahead of schedule. And even with the setbacks we faced during the winter storms. And there's another big step on the path to putting checks in pockets and shots in people's arms. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back this uh, Friday morning. Danny Gittings and uh, me, Hugh Chiverton, uh, hosting this uh, back chat programme. We're talking about aspects of uh, COVID. We were been talking to Professor Benjamin Cowling in the first part of the programme. We're also joined now by Dr. Shay Tatming, who's a specialist in geriatric medicine, and uh, Dr. Alvin Chan, a paediatrician and a co-chairman of the Advisory Committee of Communicable Diseases on the Hong Kong Medical Association and uh, frequent guest on this programme. We're much obliged to, to all the doctors uh, and experts. 
experts uh, who join us, uh, of course. Uh, and uh, they're here to answer your questions and to listen to your comments. Our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, our Facebook page is backchat on rthk radio 3. And our telephone number is 233 Okay, Mike in an email says, Don't you find it interesting how the Hong Kong government is more carefully clarifying the jab at this time? Could there be a medical stroke legal aspect to their more precise description to what has been pushed on us as a vaccine? Uh, also note that the jab is unproven for the prevention of the infection, but it does lessen ill effects of the disease. Although the manufacturer claims 95% efficacy, you must ask yourself, you must ask precisely to what is it effective against? The answer seems to be you won't get as sick, not you won't get sick. How does it do that you might how does it do that you might should ask yourself the short explanation equals synthesized pieces of a spike protein mix encircled by a lipid protein gel is injected effects of which last forever that spike protein gives your immune system a heads up to attack the spike proteins on the coronavirus which is good they're not so good this prophylactic should not be administered to people exposed to the virus this is plain and simple good medicine any medical personnel knowledgeable in the vaccine protocol is taught this most have ignored this protocol why not a jab during a pandemic? It's called an antibody-dependent enhancement or suboptimal response. It's like being given a two-week course of antibiotics and stop taking it after five days because you feel better. The bacteria is not wiped out and comes back stronger and smarter. Taking the jab during a pandemic risks that. The virus normally changes every 10 hours to some degree. Does it change to be smarter and stronger or without the jabs, as with SARS, weaker and less potent? I've just shared science, not conspiracy. Opposing views, please quote to your sources. That comes uh, from Mike. Let's go to uh, Dr. Shay Tak Ming, a specialist in uh, geriatric medicine. Uh, Dr. Shay, welcome back to Back Chat. Yeah, good morning. Uh, good morning. A, a lot of elderly people in Hong Kong hesitating about taking vaccines now. Almost all of the uh, serious adverse effects um, taking place among elderly people. What, what, what is your advice to people who are hesitating? Uh, because uh, because a lot of we see in the in the media, we saw a lot of prejudice and misinformation spreading around, and then that uh, they focus on the side effect or the the adverse reaction of the vaccine. But actually, when we examine all the data, the preference or the appearance of the side effect or even mortality is uh, not is <coughs> not it's not significant. I think compared with the the magnitude of the disease and the mortality caused by the COVID. So actually, I, I think that we should encourage all the most of the elderly to receive jabs. To to if we have 50 percent or 60 percent of the population receive the vaccination, have the immunity, then we can stop the disease to spread because we we reach the herd immunity. But what we're seeing, and I'm sure you must be aware of this from your patients, is we're not going to reach 50 or 60 percent. There, there are huge sections of the population who are suspicious of taking the vaccination. Um, yeah, the, this is the, pop, the problem, currently because there, there's a lot of misinformation spreading around. And we see that uh, a lot of people, uh, the, the, the people fear of the, uh, death or a serious side effect. But actually, uh, we examine the data. This is not the, the, the fact. And because, uh, because uh, there's in the media, they said that all the seven deaths after the injection, after 
、uh, hundred thousand of、uh, pay,、uh, the population have the injection. But we see that the, the, the average death average death rate on in Hong Kong is around one hundred forty, and for older patients is one hundred thirty. I think if there's a if the five percent of the population mean usually if we have ten hundred、uh, million uh, population, uh, we should have、uh, five deaths every day. So, so the, it seems that those receive the vaccine have less than the average, the the the, the mortality rate. So this is, I think, the, it seems that there's a the, the risk is minimal, but the benefit we see that which is、uh, at least that they can sp-、uh, stop the spread of the disease in the community. I think this is very important. Okay, our number is two three three eight eight two six six. We've got a caller on the line, Ronald. Ronald, good morning. Yes, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hi. Yeah.、Um, good morning.、Uh, I would like to comment on one of the caller who said we should ask the government to get different brand of vaccines. I think it's totally ridiculous. We are so privileged in Hong Kong to have a choice of vaccine, which one we want to take. I don't know of any other country in the world where you have that choice. Yeah. You have to take what you get offered. Yeah. When you go for your vaccination day, that's it.、Uh-huh. So that's totally ridiculous to ask such things. You raise a good point, mate. Benjamin Cowling's still here. We can put that to Benjamin Cowling. We've been thinking about it,、um, Professor Cowling, from a Hong Kong perspective. But、uh, once we start to talk about it from a global perspective,、um, we start taking more vaccines in Hong Kong. We're hoarding them away from the rest of the world, aren't we? Exactly. We are not in a shopping mall to pick、yeah. what we take there. Let, so. Let,、um, We are very privileged.、Hmm. Yeah, Let, let's put that question, that point, to Professor Cowling. P- Professor Cowling, we're a small place, so so we're not holding back vaccines from from lots of other parts of the world because we're such a, a small place, just seven point five million people. But we are privileged to have the choice of vaccine. I know in other countries, if you get called to to have a chance to go and get vaccinated,、uh, you, you don't get to choose which vaccines offered to you. you. You just have to to see what 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 you're going to get. Um, I think that one of the options, of course, would be in the UK or in Australia. If you refuse to get the vaccine when you're offered, maybe BioNTech, then maybe later, if there was another vaccine available, you could try and get it. But that could be months down the line, and and you know you'd have to wait. But in Hong Kong, we're, we're really, really lucky that everybody does have the choice, and the eligibility has already been lowered down to 30. So I think half the population is eligible to sign up on the website. To go and get vaccinated, and there's still many, many open slots on the vaccination、uh, website.、Uh, Ronald, I mean, maybe he's gone. Ronald, gone. Comment. Yeah, gone. To give incentives to vaccinated people, maybe like、uh, you are only allowed to go to restaurants for dinner if you have、uh, your vaccination.、Mm. Otherwise, how long we want to wait、yeah, until Hong Kong gets back to normal? We want to totally kill off airline business, restaurant business, uh, uh, hotel business, a- anything like that. No business travel. That's ridiculous. We must get herd immunity as fast as possible, and、oh. the government must do whatever it takes, even if finally they make vaccinations quick. But get us back to normal. Okay. Ronald, many, many thanks for your, for your comment. Our number is two three three eight eight two six six. 
uh, a lot of uh, emails. Um, Ali says the long-term effects of COVID vaccines have not been studied. Short-term deaths and side effects are pushed under the rug with no further discussion. Indeed, in the UK, results from vaccines there have not been supplied to date. We need to educate the population on how to be healthy and resist viruses naturally, which have no side effects. That's uh, from uh, uh, Ali. Um, John says when Boris Johnson was talking about herd immunity he was considered an idiot now we're talking about it via vaccination is this because the Boris suggestion was free uh, uh, Mike uh, maybe we'll, we'll come back to uh, Mike later. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, just on the Facebook uh, comments. Uh, Ted says, uh, what are the statistics on positive tests in the second week of quarantine? And separately, what are they for the third week? What relaxing of requirements will be made for those fully vaccinated returning to uh, Hong Kong? Carl says, what if the uh, BNT, I presume that's the BioNTech vaccine, caused b big issues? Uh, will the government stop injecting BNT vaccine? I guess it will. And Horatio says, your host mentioned that Sinovac numbers are ahead of BioNTech. Uh, yesterday on Ming Pao, it was reported that Sinovac appointments and uptake is now only 30% of, uh, of uh, BioNTech. Uh, let's bring in uh, Dr. Alvin, Ch Alvin Chan. Dr. Alvin Chan is a pediatrician and co-chair of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases at Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, Dr. Chan, uh, we, the issue of uh, children catching COVID has been very much in the news um, over the past week and we've seen set, uh, set before we tended to think that um, children didn't uh, tend to transmit COVID so much but we've seen several cases of, um, of uh, children and their parents being quarantined after possible um, cases of spreading at schools and even at playgroups. Yes, in fact, uh, good morning. Good morning. Children are not, children of course could be infected by COVID-19. Uh, the only thing is that in Chinese most of the infections uh, occurring in children are mild and not so serious, but they could spread the germ, the virus, to the elderly or the people around. And so that's why uh, containing the uh, virus spread uh, in the children, in the family, is also uh, very important. In fact, um, many studies are now ongoing to um, see how the effects and uh, the side effects of the uh, vaccination in children population ongoing now. And I hope that uh, the data will be available soon. But having said that, I think um, we have to uh, really face the facts. Just now I heard the messages from many listeners, a few listeners, that they thought that a natural immunity is uh, superb. So um, they had doubts about the uh, work of uh, vaccinations. But I think real-life situation is that, uh, say, in Israel, uh, having the uh, nationwide uh, mass vaccination there, the, um, uh, the, the uh, rates of uh, infection have really dropped tremendously. And so the hospital admissions are also fall. Um, and so that uh, I think this is very important that if we allow the uh, infection to spread naturally like that in Europe um, last year, then the uh, health facilities will be exhausted. The heavy pressure on the ICU facilities and the hospital beds, uh, that, that is a big catastrophe to the nations involved. And so I think that is not a, 
uh, should not be allowed to happen in Hong Kong or any place else. And about the choice of vaccination, um, uh, the, the, the vaccines, uh, are, different vaccines are also available in Singapore. And the vaccination program there proceeds very smoothly. I don't see any problems there. But uh, unfortunately, there are a few deaths in Hong Kong after vaccination, and that caused some rumors or some information spreading around and caused uh, uh, erosion to the confidence of Hong Kong people against these uh, vaccines. I I think that's not necessary, and the government could be much more vigilant in correcting those fallacious information. And uh, so get back to the vaccination trend. And I I, I suggested to the government that... uh, they should open the vaccination program to all eligible residents over the age of 18. Uh, we, we don't need to set the priorities now. Um, so I, I think as, as soon as possible, they should have the vaccines available to all uh, residents in Hong Kong over the age of 18. Okay, so uh, in, just yeah, uh, just an important fact, point there, 18 or 16, uh, say as someone with a 16-year-old child, but um, they'd, they've talked about vaccinating 16-year-olds to go to study uh, for overseas. Corona vac, for CoronaVac, it's 18. For CoronaVac, it's 18. For, uh, of course, for, for BioNTech, it's 16. Okay. okay. So... Um, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, number 233-88266. Got a, another caller, Andrew, on the line. Now, Andrew, good yeah. morning. Hi, good morning. Um, right. I would like to go back to the UK for three to four months in the summer, but I also want to be able to come back to Hong Kong in due course. Do you have any idea when the Hong Kong government will drop the complete ban on people flying into Hong Kong from the UK? And in addition, will the uh, 21-day hotel quarantine be reduced back to 14 days or, or and or home quarantine? And what's the Hong Kong government's drastic restrictions on entering Hong Kong from the UK justified in the first place? Thank you. I think, Professor Cowlin, you, you talked about some of these issues and you, you've made clear that there will have to continue to be quarantine and probably not home quarantine, right? So, the, first of all, for the entry ban for people from the UK... Uh, coming flying from the UK, South Africa and Brazil because of those three variants, the UK variant, the South Africa variant, the Brazil variant. Actually, those variants are prevalent across the world now. So, for example, the UK variant is it makes up about 25% of all the viruses detected in Europe. So if we're using the, the ban to, to try and limit the, the introduction of the UK variant, we, we'd have to extend it to the whole of Europe. I think we should probably go the other way and relax the ban on specific countries because there's no need for that now. And for the 21 days, actually, I said earlier in the program, I think that 14 days has been sufficient for Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, uh, Singapore, without having introductions of the virus into their communities beyond the 14-day quarantine period. So I I really hope the Hong Kong government will go back to 14 days. There could be another seven days at home if if they were concerned about that final seven days. I don't know whether that will happen, but I think it should happen. And then the, the, the last thing was when everything will be relaxed. Um, we have enough vaccine supply to Hong Kong by later this year, by August, September, that if, the, if all the vaccine that we have is used, then actually we could relax everything. We could go back to normal. No more travel bans, no more contact tracing and quarantine, no more isolation of mild cases, no more school closures, no more work at home. No more restaurant closures, no more bar closures, no more karaoke. 
but that's going to require safety with herd immunity in Hong Kong through vaccination. And in, as we've heard in, in the program, there's a lot of hesitancy in Hong Kong, so that may, may not be achievable in the short term. We may have to continue with the, the current intermittent measures. I, I really hope we can get to herd immunity. But as I wrote in the article in Citizen News, one other serious possibility for Hong Kong is that we stay in the current status quo for another one or two years, partly because we fail to get herd immunity through vaccination and it's not safe to do anything else. So that, that's not, I guess, what, what listeners maybe want to hear, but that's the reality. Okay. Um, a lo- lot of emails. All right. Uh, this is from, uh, I think, from Jay, uh, who says the US CDC advice on quarantine recommends a PCR test inbound, another PCR test on day seven, an exit quarantine of clear on day eight. Other academics report free- other academic reports freely available also confirm the CDC stance. The Hong Kong government imposes a 21-day quarantine. There is no scientific evidence available on the web to substantiate this length of quarantine. Many hotel rooms have interconnected aircon systems that can be a vector of the virus. This has already happened in Australia. Why are they doing this? Uh, BL says, uh, regarding Professor Cowling's answer to my first question, is he saying that the statements from Dr Fauci, Professor Young and Professor Hoy are incorrect? Does he have any scientific evidence to back up the claim he's just made on air or is it a lot of hot air? Um, Yeah, I I can respond to that. So... so If you look back at what Dr. Fauci said, uh, the the U.S. uh, infectious disease expert, he said we don't yet have data on how well the vaccine limits transmission because there's a scenario in which the vaccine stops symptomatic infection, but it doesn't necessarily stop asymptomatic infection. But what we've discovered since Dr. Fauci said that is actually the vaccine has a substantial effect on transmission in Israel, the place with the highest level of vaccine coverage in its population now. There's an estimate, uh, it's in a preprint now, that vaccination with the BioNTech reduces transmission by 90%, at least 90%, I think they said. And so the effectiveness against mild symptoms is 95%. The effectiveness against transmission is 90%. And if that holds true, then that means with a vaccine coverage of 70, 75%, we'll have herd immunity at the 66 to 70 percent level which is sufficient for hong kong so i think there's a distinction between no evidence for something like no evidence of how much the, the vaccine blocks transmission as opposed to uh, the the opposite statement would be something like the vaccine doesn't stop transmission and that statement is simply not true uh, that that does occur for maybe rotavirus vaccine but there's absolutely no evidence that, that that's the case for covid vaccines like the BioNTech vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, uh, that are highly effective vaccines. Okay. Uh, Elango, in an email, says the experts have confirmed about the BioNTech's efficacy against most of the current variants, but the Sinovac and AstraZeneca are not. Why the government procure more BioNTech or Moderna vaccines? Also, the government should open up the vaccinations to everyone without age limit because the young ones have more chance of becoming super spreaders. That's from uh, Elango. Magnus says... Um, I wonder what Professor Cowling would say with regard to Hong Kong's response to what approach should be taken in hindsight. I think Professor Cowling lumped Hong Kong in with New Zealand, Taiwan, as having successfully kept out COVID, but that's not really the case, certainly not in a practical case. Taiwan, New Zealand and so on 
to actually did deal with it both early and effectively, and this delivered its purpose an almost normal domestic life with the huge economic schooling and social benefits that brings. Hong Kong, on the other hand, did not deal with it effectively and still has not. In contrast, we bumbled along for the vast majority of 15 months, paralysed by a tiny number of cases. Clearly, our public health measures have not actually been very effective and certainly not as effective as in the genuine winner countries. What does Professor Cowling have to say about whether we would have been better to have firmer measures earlier in each outbreak, such as no dine-in services and no gatherings in each other's houses, i.e. the same as in every other country that's been successful? Um, uh, this is relevant in a foresight sense too, uh, as even in the best-case scenario of vaccine uptake and effectiveness, we still have many months ahead where we need to rely on behavioural changes. What is Professor Cowling's view on measures for future outbreaks in these two specific areas? Restrictions on dine-in services, restrictions on gatherings in private homes. That's from Magnus. Professor Cowling? Yeah, that's great. So in Australia and New Zealand, they've done really, really well. I would say better than Hong Kong. And there's two aspects to their success. The first is getting the case numbers to zero, and the second is staying at zero. So the, for the first thing, for getting to zero, Australia, New Zealand, and a few other places have been quicker to get outbreaks under control and bring the numbers down to zero. The fourth wave that we've just got over, that took a long time to get back down to zero, and maybe some things could have been done a little bit better to, to get down to zero quicker. I'm not sure that dying in is the critical thing, Maybe there's some other ways that we, we could have done better to get down to zero quicker. Now, for staying at zero, we had loopholes. If you remember, the third wave started because of the, the maritime crew, I, I believe, uh, that weren't subject to the 14-day quarantine. And the fourth wave, I, I, I heard, maybe started because of imperfections in the hotel quarantine system. Maybe people were allowed to go into the rooms of people under quarantine and then got the virus infected and, and weren't, weren't themselves subject to the quarantine, so they left and, and spread in the community. So we've done better with those loopholes now. If in Hong Kong we can get to zero, I think we could stay at zero for longer than we have done in the past. But right now we're not at zero and all the measures have been relaxed. So actually I, I'm concerned right now that the fifth wave might be starting. Okay, uh, some more comments. Uh, Les says, My mother has elevated blood pressure but controlled medically. Six years ago she had a pacemaker fitted. She's almost 80 and is open to a good vaccine. However, she asked her GP and the GP deferred to her cardiologist and the cardiologist deferred her to the pacemaker. We called the pacemaker company and they simply said there is no such data. I have a friend who is a retired doctor and was kind enough to offer his opinion. Uh, she should be okay because her blood pressure is controlled but my mother's confidence by now is so low she's very uncomfortable with the vaccination just like to share my story and please know it's not so much medical staff spreading malicious rumors but simply that doctors in hong kong refuse to take responsibility and this also happened to my friend's mother as well uh, dr shay uh, would you yeah. like to comment on that 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 that, that comment from the listener yeah, that's not much of preview from the older patients they have multiple disease or multiple mortality and morbidity. And actually, the, uh, from the data or from the evidence we, we have, all those uh, elderly elderly with uh, chronic disease, if they are well controlled, there's no contraindication. They are well after the injection. They are uh, perfectly okay. So 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 most of the patients, so most of the patients, if they, they, they don't have the energy, they don't have a very uh, uncontrolled disease, I recommend all the, all the patients to have the injection immediately, as soon as possible. 
Okay, uh, Phil B says, we need to get back to normal as soon as possible. The vaccine is the only way forward to beat the epidemic. The government should offer cash incentives to get the shots. 500 bucks for each shot, paid in cash after the jabs. That's from... Uh, uh, is that from? That's from uh, Phil B. Uh, Ali says, let's stop testing and the cases, in inverted commas, will disappear. People are not getting sick, they're just testing positive. Do we have data on how many people that are positive go on to get very sick? That's from uh, Ali. Uh, Dr. Dr. Alvin Chan, um, your, your, your thoughts. Uh, are, are we, are we gonna, ever going to get back to normal in Hong Kong? Yes, uh, I, I think... Most likely, we need to have a change in paradigm and our, our thoughts about the risk of uh, vaccination. If we are still so hesitant in getting vaccinations and uh, we cannot achieve the herd immunity, and then there would be still further chances of uh, influx of mutant variants that could develop resistance to the current vaccine, then it's very difficult to get back to normal uh, as before. So we should achieve the herd immunity as soon as possible. And that can make our uh, battle victory uh, against the virus. Otherwise, with our indecision, the virus will win the battle. So I think the whole Hong Kong needs to act uh, promptly and fast, and uh, I think uh, BioNTech has been proven to be quite effective and safe, and also effective against the mutant variant, even the South African mutant variant. So I, I think it has been quite uh, serious in the fallacious uh, information being spread around in Hong Kong. Um, perhaps demonizing this uh, BioNTech vaccine. And so I think this is time for the government to vigilantly clarify and sweep away all these uh, rumors so people could get back uh, the confidence in vaccination. The same is for uh, Sinovac, but of course the, the scientific data have proven that uh, Sinovac has a 50.4% overall and its scientific data had not been available for uh, elderly people over the age of 60. But of course, even then, uh, in mainland China and in Hong Kong, billions of people had got the vaccination. This is like the phase four research or the post-marketing research data. So the universities need to uh, have uh, analyze all these data and if it is safe then openly tell all the Hong Kong people that oh sign of that could be safe and uh, and uh, with all the data available it's effective and safe then we go on with the sign of that if further doubts really uh, are bubbling around in Hong Kong the government should also uh, uh, have more stringent uh, regulations of those uh, people spreading uh, the uh, misinformation. Just like in Australia, any doctors or health personnel spreading anti-vaccination information, they could be deregistered. So, uh, of course, that is too stringent, perhaps. But, I, I mean, uh, the government should think of ways to clear the path 
for mass vaccination in Hong Kong. And uh, I think also the uh, implementation of the policy needs to have a prompt uh, and uh, um, decisive action. Say, for example, they have just announced that uh, the students studying overseas over the age of 16 could be allowed to have the uh, vaccination since uh, three days ago, but only three days ago. Because after these students have the vaccination, two doses of the vaccination, they still have to go back to UK. Say, for example, they need 14 days of quarantine, and they would be late for the starting of the school uh, in UK, you know. So they need to act fast and promptly. Okay. Otherwise, the parents are just at a loss. They couldn't finish the two doses of vaccination in time in Hong Kong. That's meaningful, meaningless for them because they perhaps need to go back uh, to UK uh, in the first week of April. But the second dose of any vaccine in Hong Kong now needs to be given at least after the 8th of uh, April, for, uh, even for the beyond yeah. that, and for the 13th of April for, for Sinovac. And that's impossible for the parents to arrange for okay. the children to go back there in time. Mm. Well, Dr. Chan, many, many thanks for, for joining us, uh, co-chair of the Advisory Committee of Clinical Diseases in the Hong Kong Medical Association. Many thanks to Dr. Shaitat Meng, a specialist in geriatric uh, medicine, and once again to Professor Benjamin Cowling, division head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you all very much uh, uh, indeed. I'm afraid far more uh, emails than we were were able to get to uh, in the program uh, this time round. Um, let's do this again uh, and uh, see if we can uh, uh, have fully answer uh, all your all your questions uh, and see if we can get some kind of authoritative voice from the government. Uh, fingers crossed uh, on that to uh, explain some of the policy. Um, and many thanks to uh, or everyone who put questions today to uh, our producer, uh, to uh, to Danny, and uh, to uh, all our guests. Of course, the weather. Uh, uh, before we go for this week, it's going to be mainly cloudy, a couple of light rain patches this morning, sunny intervals, temperatures up to 27 degrees, 23 degrees now, relative humidity is at 85%. The government is providing free COVID-19 vaccination for all residents. Priority groups include those who are highly susceptible to infection or have increased risk. You can book online. Vaccination is being offered at community vaccination centers in 18 districts, hospitals, and designated clinics in phases. Outreach service at care homes is also provided. Protect yourself and others. Get vaccinated. Book at covidvaccine.gov.hk. 9.34, the news now with Barry O'Rourke. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said Washington will raise issues of concern in the first high-level direct talks between the Biden administration and China taking place in Alaska. Mr. Blinken said the U.S. would not shy away from contentious issues, including Xinjiang, Hong Kong and Taiwan. In response, a top Chinese official, Wang Jiexue, hit back, accusing the United States of violating human rights. He said China did not believe in invading through the use of force, toppling other regimes or massacring the people of other countries. And North Korea says it will cut diplomatic relations with Malaysia after Kuala Lumpur decided to extradite a North Korean national to the United States to face money laundering charges. The businessman, who lives in Malaysia, is accused of supplying luxury goods from Singapore to Pyongyang in violation of United Nations sanctions. More news on the IR from RTHK.
It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello.